right, let's open our, our Bibles to John chapter 5. Uh, today I'm going to read the same passage I read last Sunday, but as I said when I opened our service, today we're focusing on verses 9 through 18. But uh, these, this story fits well together in verses 1 through 18, so then, therefore that's why it's necessary to read the whole passage. And It says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which, was, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who had healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God, his own father, making himself equal with God. That is the word of the Lord. So last week we covered the, the whole miracle of Bethesda. And as the uh, verses say in 1 through 8, uh, we see a powerful miracle taking place. Actually, verses 1 through 9, if you want to include the man taking up his, uh, his bed and walking. But we saw a powerful a miracle take place. Uh, we saw a man who was an invalid for 38 years, and if we look back at Scripture, we see that uh, these there was a multitude of invalids, and they were defined by those who were blind, lame, or paralyzed. Apparently, the man that we are talking about t- uh, today was uh, either lame or paralyzed from his legs because he could not walk. But we saw the power of God in this wonderful miracle, and out of the multitude, Jesus chose this one man. And we saw the sovereignty of God in choosing this one man uh, to heal in order that everybody around could see the power of God. What's interesting about the story is that the man waited in vain for 38 years to be healed. It's a long time. 
The legend goes that he waited, or rather, there's true and then there's a legend. The story is, is that he waited by the pool, that's what scripture says, for it to be stirred up. The legend was that there was an angel who would come down and stir the waters, the first one in would be healed. The reason why I say it's a legend is because it wasn't true, it was folklore, it was people putting their faith into something that wasn't real. In essence, they were putting their faith in an idol, something that could not deliver them. So for 38 years, this man did that, and there were no results, there was no healing. Makes me think of the people who place their faith in idols today. They're currently waiting for a healing. They're not going to receive it. Because there's only in one person that we are healed, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. And scripture routinely proves that because the day that he met Christ, he was immediately healed. That shows us the effectiveness of God as the one true God in comparison to an idol who cannot move, breathe, think, or do anything. An idol who has no power versus the God who is all-powerful. Now in verse 8, Jesus tells him, take up your bed and walk. Now this was important to the miracle because obviously this provided the proof of healing. But this was also a sticking point with the Jews. And when I say the Jews, I mean the Jewish leaders. Because that's how we can read that in our passage doesn't refer to just the Jews alone, but those who had influence in teaching over the Jews, who would be the Pharisees and the Sadducees. When they saw the man walking, they had issues with it. First of all, because the man was carrying his mat on the Sabbath. That was issue number one. Issue number two was that Jesus had performed this miracle on the Sabbath. To the Jews, both of these things were unlawful. But here's the real question. It's really important, too. Was it unlawful to God? Were these two things unlawful to God? Because the Jewish leaders saw them as unlawful, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they were unlawful to God. Now, answering that question will give us the true purpose of the Sabbath and how important it is to our lives. Now, when I say the Sabbath, I mean the Lord's Day, or I mean today. You could say the Sabbath in the Old Testament, where that was Friday evening to to Saturday. But we know from creation until the resurrection, the Sabbath was recognized on that Friday and Saturday, which which was counted as the seventh day. But when Christ rose from the grave on Sunday, the significance of that day, And as a sign of the new covenant with his people, we enjoy rest on our Sabbath day today, the Lord's Day, which is Sunday. And you can see how the early church, the Apostle Paul, talked about meeting on the Lord's Day. In Acts, it talks about meeting on the Lord's Day. When the tongues of fire came upon the apostles, that was on the Lord's Day. When John saw the revelation, that was on the Lord's Day. It was on a Sunday like today. Because scripture says, Jesus says himself, I am Lord of the Sabbath. And you will find your rest in me. So when I refer to the Sabbath, I am referring to the Lord's day today. Sunday, the day that is made for us to come and worship 
the Lord. That's a very important distinction because I will refer to it as a Sabbath as I go on. I don't want you mixed up with me talking about the Old Testament Sabbath. I am referring to the day of the Lord today, Sunday. So I may refer to it as the Sabbath or the Lord's Day, but they're one in the same. Now, the Sabbath is very important to our lives. Today is very important. And it's not just because, you know, we've been taught to do this and it's good to assemble as God's people. It goes deeper than that. Way deeper than that. In fact, the Sabbath is recognized as the day for Christians to rest from their worldly pursuits and to pursue God in worship. That's our sermon summary for today. The Sabbath is for Christians to rest from their worldly pursuits in order to pursue God in worship. This is extremely important, and this is vital to your Christian life. For the Jews, the Sabbath had turned into a day devoted to regulation, and when you have regulation, then you have obligation. Believe me, I know all about regulation. I worked in the field for 20 years where I dealt with regulation, and it, with regulation as it pertained to the job force. Where there is regulation, there is obligation. You have to do this or else. So that's the way the Jews viewed the Sabbath. They viewed it that way rather than worship. Now today, today the Sabbath has turned into a day devoted to idleness or recreation. That's what we tend to see. Or we also see the extreme where people do not even recognize it as a holy day at all. They say it's just another day. But for us to turn the Sabbath into a day of idleness and recreation rather than worship is also wrong. In fact, both, neither, excuse me, neither is right and neither is pleasing to God. And that's why it's important for us to look at this passage and really talk about it and discuss it today. I'd like to start off with the first point, looking at the miracle and then also seeing what happens right afterward. Because again, this is a great miracle that just has occurred and it's under the microscope of regulation. It's like, I was trying to think about this and trying to give a good basic definition of what we're seeing here. And I don't know how many of you are football fans in the room, but I think this will, this will come into the mind of everybody here. It's like whenever you see a football game on TV, and it's just wonderful play. Quarterback drops back, throws a long ball. Receiver is running at the ball. He jumps up. Defender's all over him. He catches the ball comes down with it but the ball bobbles a little bit when he comes down what happens automatically you went to this you went from seeing this wonderful and beautiful awesome play like the Dallas Cowboys versus the Green Bay Packers a couple years ago I still haven't let that go yet but you see this wonderful beautiful play and then the play ends and you think your team has just made a touchdown or you think your team has just had a long catch but all of a sudden a yellow flag goes in the air. And now they have to look at it at replay. 
And they have to define, even though the man never dropped the ball, they have to define if it's a catch or not. That's exactly the way I, I picture this going on here. We see this wonderful miracle that Jesus provided for people. He provided, and I say he provided for them. Yes, he healed this one man, but it was for their faith. And yet they're like, whoa, 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 time out. Wait, 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 flag. We have to look at this a little closer. There's two violations we see. Number one, the man you just healed is carrying his mat. Not allowed. Number two, you shouldn't be performing that work on the Sabbath. It's crazy. It's crazy to imagine what was going on. This powerful miracle This man who had been paralyzed for, uh, lame or paralyzed for 38 years was now walking around and, and, and the Jews were mad because it was the Sabbath. Now, how can this happen? Well, this happens when people see God's work without faith. That's how that could happen. When people see God's work without faith, they miss the miracle but they complained about the means. I don't even understand that. They missed this wonderful blessing, and then they went ahead and complained about how Jesus did it. And we see in Scripture that they plotted to kill Christ because he was calling God his Father, but they missed the work that he was doing as God. If they would have just paid attention to the work, the miracle that he had just performed... They would have agreed with him that God was his father. They would have seen him as the son of God. And there would have been no problem at all. That they lacked faith. If they would have seen his work by faith, then they would have seen him as God. But you know what's so ironic about the situation is, They are the ones who fail to recognize and worship the person and the works of God. So they were the ones who were actually breaking the Sabbath and not Christ. Because when we look at the Sabbath, that's exactly what we are supposed to do. We are supposed to worship, recognize and worship the person and the acts of God. That's what we're doing here today. When we sing our songs... We're recognizing and worshiping the person and the acts of God. That's the goal. Every single week, the praise and worship team knows the goal. That is the goal. When we pray, the, pray, the, the, the goal is to worship the person and the acts of God. When we preach, the same thing. That's important when we talk about the Sabbath because the Sabbath is not just about Christians getting together and fellowshipping No, it goes a lot further than that. We are coming together for a specific purpose, and that purpose is to worship the person and the acts of God. Now, in order to understand the Sabbath better, we have to go back and look at the origins of the Sabbath. And also, we can, and when we go back and look at the origins, we can, defend, we can uh, see its significance. First of all, there are two places that we need to go back to to understand The Sabbath. We need to go back to the very beginning, which is in Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to read that passage for you. And then we need to go back to uh, the law, which is found in Exodus 20. I'm going to read that passage to you as well. In Genesis uh, 
chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it says this about the Sabbath. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. All right, so I'm going to move real quick to Exodus 20. I have, I have my book marked already, ready to go, so uh, if you're trying to catch up, that's fine. But Exodus 20, uh, verses 8 through 11. This is um, in reflection of the law. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Now, when we go back and we determine the origins of the Sabbath, we first of all must know that it was established in creation. That is very, very important because it was established along with other important commands from God that are still mandated today. Other commands that were, that were created or that were established in creation, number one is marriage. We see that that was established in creation. Not only marriage, but family for us to multiply, subdue the earth. And also work was established in creation. So we see these four. We see the Sabbath, marriage, family, work. And as I said before, notice that those mandates still stand today. And then the people are reminded about the Sabbath when they are given the law in Exodus 20. A lot of people think that that's the first time the Sabbath was mentioned was in Exodus 20 with the Ten Commandments. But it was actually mentioned in creation. So piecing together the Sabbath in creation with the moral law, I think we get a, bit, a clearer picture of its purpose. Let's review it again. Genesis 2.1 says, God finished his creation work. That's what Genesis 2.1 says. Six days he worked, he created the heavens and the earth. On the seventh day he rested. And it's specific to what type of work he was doing. He finished his creation work. Genesis 2.2, God rested from his creation work. And then Genesis 2.3, God blessed and consecrated that day as the Sabbath. Okay. So when it's given to the people as a law, this is what's said to them. Exodus 28, remember God on the Sabbath. Remember, remember him, because that's the day he has set apart. Exodus 29, finish your work in six days like God. Do everything that you're supposed to do. Get it done, because it's important that you do. Why? Because Exodus 20.10, we must rest in the Lord on the Sabbath. 
the wonderful connection between what God did in creation and then what God was reminding the people to do in the law. When you connect the dots to those two, it really puts things into perspective of how important the Sabbath is. In creation, God mandated that we observe the Sabbath and to recognize and worship his person and his works. And then the fourth commandment reminds us to do it and it shows us how exactly to do it. And when we practice the Sabbath, when we acknowledge the Lord's day, as you are doing today, we please God, but get this, we are refreshed and we are blessed. It's wonderful. You see, we are refreshed and we are blessed because the Sabbath is to be a day of rest in the Lord. That's what it is. It's to be a day of rest in the Lord. You see, when we look at our passage and plenty of other passages, it's easy to see that the Jews had seen the Sabbath as a complete day of idleness. Not doing anything today, I can't, because if I do anything, I'll break the law, so then therefore I'm just going to sit here. But they only did that when it benefited them. That's why it wasn't true worship. They were only following things on the surface. Again, it was done out of obligation instead of worship. But the Bible tells us that the Sabbath was established for the benefit of man and to the glory of God. Because it's a day that reminds us that, that he is God. The reason why there's a day set apart for him is because we are the creatures. He is the creator. The creature is to do everything he's supposed to do in six days. And then he's supposed to acknowledge God, his creator, on the Sabbath. It reminds us that God is holy, merciful, all-powerful, sovereign, and he is worthy of our worship. The Sabbath reminds us of who we are, because on the Sabbath, we, as sinful people, we need to come together, as the Bible says, to confess our sins to one another, to minister to one another, to praise God for what he has done in our lives. To praise him for who he is. The Sabbath is extremely important to us in those two ways. When we look at the Sabbath of the Old Testament, regular work was to stop in order to give people a break and to provide a heightened focus on the Lord. Sabbath is no different today. Today, It is a day where we get to rest from our worldly activity and we actively get to pursue God. In other words, we get to rest in him. Now listen to this very carefully. We get to rest while he works. (laughs) That's a beautiful thing. That's why the Bible says that the Sabbath was for man. Not man for the Sabbath. 
God works, we get to rest. You see, the Lord doesn't rest on the Sabbath. Number one, he doesn't need to. When we go back to creation, the Lord didn't completely just rest and veg out on the seventh day. Because that would mean he had to put everything on autopilot and, and, and everything would just happen automatically. No, we understand as God as being sovereign and involved in every detail of life. There is no way that he can rest completely. The Bible says that he rested from his work in creation. In order that we would recognize him. But on the day that we are told to rest in him, he is still working. That's why Jesus didn't break the Sabbath by performing the miracle, because as God, he is always working. That's why he said, my father is working until now and I am working. That's what he meant by that. I am God. The Sabbath, number one, doesn't pertain to me. If I were to rest from my work, you all would be dead. If he were to rest, then we must acknowledge that creation would fall. So, knowing that the Sabbath is a day that is dedicated to us resting in the Lord, how should the Sabbath be observed today? Well, the Pharisees turned the Sabbath into a yoke of legalism. And I think it's because they forgot its purpose and they forgot about God. And they enacted some really silly laws. I've preached on the Sabbath before a couple of times when we were in the Gospel of Mark and then also in Exodus. And every time I preach on it, it's a different message. It's wonderful because there's so much to say about the Sabbath. There's so much to say about the Lord's Day and how how us as God's people, number one, that we need it and how we should practice it. But I grabbed some of those silly laws that they had from those other sermons, and I just wanted to mention it to everybody here because I want us to see how silly it was. For instance, they only allowed people to travel 1,999 paces. If you you traveled one step more than that, you were sinning on the Sabbath. That's approximately half a mile. So all day long, I'm guessing you have to track your steps. You see, we thought that that was a new invention. But apparently they've been tracking their steps since biblical times. Bucking the heads of grain was not allowed. That was considered work. It was a sin to untie a knot on your Nike high tops. No, I'm joking. Just trying to see if everybody's awake. It was a sin to untie a knot on your sandal, I guess. If it was accidentally tied in a knot, you have to just leave it until after the Sabbath. If you had a, t- a torn garment, you were in trouble because you were only allowed one stitch. Anything beyond that was a sin. And apparently, carrying a, a, a mat made the list because they were upset about that. You see, when we see the Sabbath that way, it becomes a yoke, and the Sabbath was never meant as a yoke. Instead, it is to be a day of reverence, rest, and relief. 
That's what it is to be for us. A day of reverence, of rest, and relief. <clears throat> now, today, today people have turned the Sabbath into a day dedicated to themselves. And Sunday seems to be the day where everybody catches up on work. How funny it is. It's meant for us to rest, but we end up resting on other days, and then Sunday is a day that we try to get everything done. Because, oh, we have to go back to work on Monday. I might as well get everything done on Sunday. So it has been dedicated to a work day. If not a work day, it's a catch-up day. If it's not a catch-up day, then it's a rest day, but it's an idleness type of rest where nothing gets done at all. Not even acknowledging God for his person or works. It's just laying down on a couch and them saying, well, this is a day that we're supposed to rest. You see, the problem is, is that the world has lost its reverence to the day. Because when we go back to creation and we look at the significance of the Sabbath, it was commanded for everybody to acknowledge this day. Just like it's commanded for everybody for, to come together as a, a man and a woman in marriage. Just like it's commanded that everybody have children. And just like it's commanded that everybody works. So everybody was supposed to acknowledge the Sabbath, but the world has lost its reverence to the day. And the visible church, us, has been following suit. I remember 2016, Christmas fell on a Sunday. I remember how upset I was that churches were actually canceling services on Sunday because of Christmas. They were completely canceling morning services because Sunday fell on Christmas and, well, we want to give you time for your family. Now, Hey, I will be the first one to acknowledge there are times that we cancel services during the week because of holidays, but the, during the week is not the Sabbath. The Lord's Day, they're canceling services on the Lord's Day because it is Christmas. That does not make sense to me. It sounds like the story here that we're reading in the Bible. You think about that and you're like, wait a second, how can that be true? But yet it is. Church attendance is down because, and I, I'm not just talking about here, but I'm talking about everywhere. Church attendance is just down because people aren't making preparations to attend church. Listen, if we want to praise God for his works and for his person, for what he does and who he is, let me tell you that a God-fearing, gospel-preaching church is a perfect vehicle for that you get to come you're restored by the message you're encouraged by the fellowship you pray you rest and you leave with a commission it's a wonderful thing and it's the perfect vehicle for us to acknowledge the Lord on his day 
But people are too tired, too busy, and too caught up with their own lives to properly worship the Lord. I generalize that because I know many of you show up to church every single Sunday, but listen, it's not just about showing up to church. That's what the Jews were doing. They were just showing up, but there was no worship in it. It's a day that we dedicate to the Lord because he has commanded it and he is worthy of it. The Jews practice legalism and the world practices idolatry today. As Christians, we must find a holy ground. Not middle ground, we must find a holy ground. And we must worship the Lord for who he is and what he's done. As his people and as his church, we must not follow the pattern of the world. And we must not forget the day. Because as I said before, it's not a day only dedicated to him. But it's also a blessing to us. Listen to this passage out of Isaiah 58. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Observing the Lord's day consistently, when we observe the Lord's day consistently, we are refreshed, we are enlightened, and we are strengthened in the Lord. You see, you and I, church, we need, we need to acknowledge Sabbath. It's not so much that we should, we need it. See, we need fellowship for the sake of worship. We need gospel preaching. We need soul-searching prayer. We need Bible study. We need all these things. You know, there are a lot of people who say, I would read my Bible more, but I don't have time. Well, praise God, he has given us a whole day out of the week to do that. Six days you work. Get your work done. If you don't have time to open your Bible in six days, that's fine. God has a whole day in store for you to do that. There's a lot of reading you can get done in a whole day. We need the Sabbath. When we don't do these things, we suffer for the lack of spiritual nutrition. We walk around and we just, we're not filled. We're not encouraged. We lose hope. Because naturally, the, 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 the man of, 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 of man, the mind of man, rather, it will lose hope on his own. We need the word to restore us. To remind us. 
Now, if you're being hindered from these things on a regular basis because of a job or an obligation that you have, I will challenge you and say that things need to change. I want so much to tell you that you need to quit your job because the Bible says that a man who doesn't provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. I understand you need to provide for your family. But I want to challenge you and tell you, pray to the Lord for help. Pray to the Lord to open up some opportunities so that you can be together with his people. You can worship him on that day. And that you can devote some time in personal study to him and personal worship to him on this day. You see, when his people don't recognize the Sabbath, they forget him who created them, who saved them, and who gave them life. So my, my questions for you today are, how are your Sundays different than the rest of your week? Today is the day that the Lord has made for us to worship him. How are your Sundays different from the rest of your week? They should look completely different. Number two, do you recognize, do you worship the person and work of God with his people and also in private worship on Sunday? Do you do that on a regular basis? Number three, do you perform acts of mercy in his name on Sunday? That's a part of worship too. We're not supposed to just lie here in idleness. If not, you would have no one to preach to you. Because believe me, I'm working on Sunday. But I want those questions to sink in. I want to challenge you on this. How are you recognizing and worshiping the Lord on his day? Let's remember that the Sabbath, the Lord's Day, Sunday, is set apart and holy for his people to acknowledge him. Let's pray.